Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford and AD Drew, the gang is back together again. Uh, now only one of us is still single and lonely and looking for looking for love. Drew, how you doing, my man? And I'm doing great, man. Had a good two weeks of bliss. Go ahead, bliss. good adjective. Adventure. Huh? Adventure huh? is a good way to put it. Adventure, okay. Yes, I, I I was so happy to get back to my own bed after being on the road essentially for two weeks with uh, business commitments and personal commitments. I hear you. I look. I, I was away from the comforts of my crib for six or seven weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you was at your mama house, so that's a little different. <laughs> Yeah, well, but still wasn't my bed, though. It wasn't my bed, wasn't my... I still lived out the suitcase, practically, it felt like. So, uh, <laughs> now nah, it was good to be... It was good to see my my people uh, as long as I did. It's probably the longest I have been in Indianapolis since probably hot college years, man. I hadn't spent that much Summer time. vacation. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and honestly, I, I only saw maybe a... A couple of friends, man. You know, it, it really things didn't always go as I planned them to go, but uh, it was still still worked out, and I'm thankful uh, all the same. So I got to ask you the unfortunate question that I that I asked when I go back home. Yeah, but some of the people that you left in the same spot where you left them at, good, well, bad, and ugly. No, I mean, it, uh, you know what? Probably everybody's life is a lot of people's lives are moving in in good directions, a little bit better. Um, like I said, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to catch up with as many people as I had planned, just because of some circumstances that went on with the trip getting up there. So, right. you know, it just it just kind of was what it was. So I'm, you know, I'll have to put a rain check out on on catching up with people, and so. 
But, uh, you know, look, I, this day and age, you know, I, I think the more sobering thing is learning when you do catch up with a I caught up with a good buddy. And then I find out what I miss, you know, people that have, have sadly passed away that I did not know passed away. That That's the kind of news that is like, damn, I'm getting old or I'm out of the loop. So, right. you know, I've, I, I, I've made more of a commitment. Uh, I, I flash more of a presence on Facebook just to catch up. But that'll fade away because I'll get tired of Facebook just like I did the last six months when I hadn't been on it hardly. So, Right, right, right. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I was able to catch up with a couple of uh, elementary school friends. Oh wow! Uh, while I was at home uh, uh, doing doing those couple of weeks, though, doing those few days that I was at home, so uh, you know that 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 was refreshing. Nice. You know? I passed by my old elementary school, which is no longer an elementary school; it's now some other kind of repurposed educational building. But I mean, I still well, my had elementary a school is not is not even there. So at least your building is still there. Yeah. See, every time I go back, I have these <laughs> visuals when I drive around places. And I don't know if any anybody listening, watching, whenever you go home, and especially if you've lived and moved far away from home, when you go back and you just drive around certain places and you have these flashback memories, yo, I used to ride my bike up this street. And yo, I remember there used to be the the, the bike shop and the uh, here's the spot where I used to go get my comics. None of those places are what they were, you know, so they're all something else now. Yeah, uh, uh, now nah, for me is, hey, that street didn't, wasn't a one way street when I was uh living here, or that that wasn't a dead end, or they didn't totally rerouted this street. Now you know when they put that red light there, <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and uh, one thing I did want to comment on uh, while you guys were away uh, carrying my weight, while I was away, you guys were carrying my weight. Great job on Swag Media Day. I was able to catch up and watch all five hours of it. Yes, folks, it was five hours, uh, but it did not seem like five hours as you guys were going through the interviews and had different people in and out and the conversations that you guys were able to do. And it was, and it was just great. I just hate that I missed the camaraderie of being in Birmingham, Alabama with you guys. Look, the, the, the most beautiful thing about that is catching up with everybody. Because, look, honestly, some so many people you've seen on Zooms and Twitter and Facebook and things like that. So actually being able to, to put faces uh, with, you know, actually, I should say, whole bodies with the with the upper torsos that you that you <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and here's the, to be able to give somebody a pound or shake their hand now you got to go use the hand sanitizer afterwards but just to be able to do that much yeah i mean look i i don't i'll be honest i don't even think it was that serious i mean look we i mean i i think everyone who was there there wasn't look that's the thing i'd say very few people were with masks I think pretty much most of the people there were vaccinated, even though they requested and asked us to wear masks. Most of the people I think had been vaccinated um, who were there. And I, there were very few, you know, remember how you we, we were places and there was tons of hand sanitizer? Almost yeah. an oh, Yeah, I almost couldn't find any hand sanitizer. So they was, had the one at the entrance and that was it probably. Probably. <laughs> there, there were... Now that, I, now that I say it, there were fewer handshakes. I just recall, I guess because maybe you're more conscious, there were more fist bumps. But even a few people you handshake, 
I'm more aware of not of what not to do with my hands after you know like I didn't I didn't do all of this and all you know you didn't go not that I was germaphobe well I'm a mini germaphobe but you know you just I think coming out of this pandemic you're more aware of things and so yeah I, I wasn't I wasn't walking around squirting Purell on my hand every five seconds <laughs> but I wasn't shaking everybody's hands it was like hey good to see you and, and just kind of all right, you know, fist then just kind of leave it at that. You know, we just kind of keep it moving. Right. But it was good to see as many people as we saw and talk to as many people as we talked to. It was just good to have an in-person media day. And look, Even man, I, I was had... unable to participate. I still had the video watch it. But just the fact that there were people in the building. Yeah, and, and I, I thought if you could sense from our vantage point we were in the media tv room which was buzzing it was jumping i mean you had uh of course behind us somewhere was uh hbcu game day um another show was back that behind us as well i didn't quite make out the name of their show didn't get a chance to talk to those brothers but so many people in this space now doing and talking about hbcu uh football and athletics is it's very cool and and so you know we don't at least me personally, I don't get any extra. I, I, there's nothing for me that says, hey, we were one of the first or, hey, we've been there the longest or no, nah, there's none of that. It's just I've always said the more people that are covering HBCU athletics, it helps everybody. So the question is, how do you share? Do you share our content? Those, If you're watching and listening to us, it's real important that you share us, that you you tell a friend. Um, the, the more and more you share and like, especially in your HBCU recording circle, in progress communities. You know what I'm saying? Um, that that's the kind of stuff that's going to help us in the long run. So, and that's going to help grow this uh, in the long run. So, you know, all good stuff. All good stuff. All right, we you know we got all kinds of stuff going on, flashing around. So, yeah, we we're getting back in the groove of things. Uh, the BCSN Sports Wrap here, AD Drew, Brian Fulford. Uh, just want to remind you, follow us, like, subscribe. You know, you know the places at my BCSN one on Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Facebook. Not only can find both of our Facebook pages, the Black College Sports Network page. You can find our page at uh, BCSN Sports Wrap. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on Google and Apple Play Store. Look, it's it's very it's awesome to be a part of doing this thing now with the Carlos Brown show, with the pregame show. Uh, soon to be, we'll have uh, BJ Jones joining us, I believe. And, you know, a few other, we're just trying to really expand and give people different voices uh, to, to, to talk about um, – about this thing and we're doing school specific stuff you know uh, of course the pregame show covers jackson state uh recently we've got the ong strike zone which you know primarily focused with florida a&m and i'm sure you know there'll be some other spinoffs as well so whether it be school specific or general purpose we're, we're trying to cover from as many different angles as possible. So, and, and don't forget, uh, nice of the round table will be returning for football season, also, where we have a glutton of reporters from the uh, HBCU Pro Sports Media Association joining us for a round table discussion of 
whatever's happening in sports in a particular week. Yeah. And, and, you know, let me say, I think the good thing that people, why you want to watch that show is uh, if you're interested in what the, you know, the, the people, it takes a lot of dedication, time and energy to cover HBCU athletics. And, and I know if you're just a consumer, that's one thing and you invest in consuming, but imagine invest, investing in consuming, but then also creating content, which, I mean, that's a, that's a tall task. It's not easy. So there are a lot of people that are coming together as content creators in their various forms. And that's essentially Knights at the Roundtable. They give different voices, the voices, the content creators. We all have different opinions. We we see things differently. You know, no thing. Uh, well, I'll give an example. You know, the most recent story or controversy coming out of SWAT Media Day. You know, the whole Deion Sanders walking away from that presser, uh, virtual press conference. We all had different takes on it. I mean, no, whether you read my story or, you know, that was not everybody's agreement. You know, that was just my take on it, my thought on it. Other people had different takes and different thoughts. That comes out in a show like that, gives you a chance to kind of hear everybody's thoughts. So that's why that's a good show. And when Drew, who's the executive producer of that, when he gets that back up and going, you'll you'll find that on the network as well. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely, Brian. All right, Drew, let's get into it. This episode is really talking more about media days because we're right. Look, man, we're we're here. Football is back. It's here. We, I mean, look, this is the end of July. We've got football media days last week, football media days this week, and then pretty much fall camp starts. And so last week we had Tennessee State's Ohio Valley Conference, Football Media Day with Eddie George. Then, of course, we had the SWAT Media Day. And then the week ended with the CIAA's um, Media Day. So we're going to try to hit on all three of those in this particular episode. And then this, as we're recording this, this upcoming week, you've got the SIAC, well, actually, let me take it back. You got Hampton and uh, North Carolina AT as part of the Big South. Then you have the SIEC Media Day, and then you have the MIAC Media Day. So, all three divisions, all three levels, and I'm not even sure about the NAIA. So, we'll have to. I don't know if you recall seeing when Langston's. Um, with the Sooner Athletic Conference and NAIA was, Drew, but I'm, I would imagine. We've got, what, Langston and Texas College. I believe those are the only the two. Say it again. I was saying that's part of the Sooner, right? Yeah, I, I think yeah. those are both part of the well, Sooner, right? Yes, I believe those are the only two that we have that are still NAIA. Right, yeah. Uh, haven't heard anything from Lincoln of Missouri. Oh, well, well, well we got Florida yeah. Memorial. And Florida Memorial, uh, yes. Yeah, right. so I don't. So I'm sure those media days are probably you know I have to look. I wouldn't. I would imagine if they're not this week, they're next week as well. So I would imagine all of the media days will be kind of taken care of by the first of October, or yeah. first of August. Excuse me. Right. I believe we've got fifth up to I believe it's either 52 or 54 HBCUs that are playing football as of right now. All right. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that uh, 
with uh, not to cut you off with the addition of Bluefield State, who will be playing their first year of football this year in West Virginia. Division two, correct? Division two. All right. So let's get into talking a little bit about the Ohio Valley Conference very quickly and Tennessee State. Um, just a little, uh, just some bullet points regarding Tennessee State. Of course, we're very familiar. Eddie George, the new head coach. I would encourage anybody. I haven't heard any podcasts or interviews with George since. And there may be some from this media day. I haven't seen it. I've only read things. I haven't heard any audio. I would encourage anybody to go back and search for 21st and Prime. I believe it's episode 63 from like the first week in May where Eddie George comes on Deion Sanders' show. It's like right after the NFL draft. It's like May 4th or something like that. I listened to it a little early. Went back. I heard it originally a couple of months ago. Listened to it again. George gives some good information, some good background on how he came into this role. Um, you know, some of it is being reported recently in some stories that I've seen as if it were new, but I think people are just kind of catching up on the story. But it's a good background piece, a good conversation he had with Sanders on how he came to the into the role. And one of the things, the big things that I saw that I that I got out of that was that. Dion told Eddie George back when he was trying to figure out, you know, hey, what what about this role? What is this something I need to do? How can I be a coach? And he basically explained there's two type of coaches. There's your X's and O's coaches and your CEO coach. You know, I mean, we even have those in basketball, Drew. I mean, you you know and I know. I mean, there's some of us who are who are really good in the minutia that of calling plays. Uh, in the midst of a game, and then there are some of us who are who are not. You're more of a preparation, feel of the game kind of thing, you know. And so the same thing in football. Because a football staff is like a mini organization, you have your CEO-type guys, and then you also have your X's and O guys. Your guys, you know, and, and some guys, it's hard to manage both. So I think once that kind of light was shown, uh, or that was kind of explained to George, George really embraced the concept of, you know what, I've done things in the business community. I've done things with my foundation. I know football. I know football people. I know what I want from football people. Now, how can I help these young men? And I think that's what you're going to get from Eddie George. But back to this team, preseason pick fifth in the Ohio Valley Conference. Now, the interesting thing about that, Drew, Tennessee State has the second most players that were on the preseason all-conference team. They only had one, you know, one all-conference offense, defense, special teams. There's no second team or anything like that. Tennessee State had eight players. The team who was picked to finish first, Murray State, had nine. And I believe the team who was picked second had six and the team who was picked third had seven so again Tennessee State has the players to compete for an OVC title according to the preseason predictions them being picked fifth is probably a product of a their record from last year 
B, you got a head coach with no head coaching experience. So, you know, if George and if George is able to bring in the kind of staff that he's been out picking, um, that will be the advantage. He's he's got Hugh Jackson, former head coach, former offensive coordinator, as his OC and quarterbacks coach. Defensive coordinator is a little young, but he's got some consulting help coming in from with uh, Jeff Fisher. He's bringing in some other guys. I believe some of the names that I saw in some of the bios have NFL coaching experience, but he's looking to build on. I mean, he's got an outstanding – look, there were four guys on the offense that were part of the all-conference team, three guys on the defensive side of the ball. He's got the best kicker in the in the uh, conference in Antonio Zita. Maybe the best kicker in uh, FCS. Might be, yeah. Might be the best kicker overall in FCS, definitely. And I think the one big thing for Tennessee State is what are you going to do at the quarterback position? Because uh, I, I believe the young man who was quarterbacking them the past year, uh, I, Isaiah, uh, the name, I had the name, the uh, first name is uh, Isaiah. I, I can't think of it. I'm trying to look and see if I pulled up the, the last name. I, I thought I had saved it. But anyway... Uh, the young man who had started most of the games for them last year, he'll probably have the first opportunity to first crack at it, or you'll see what'll come out of camp, you know. But if they if they're able to be productive in the quarterback position, because this team was primarily a running team last year, they're going to be special. And they do have a special running back. Devon Starling was an incoming was a freshman standout. Newcomer of the year, play. I mean, he he he's going to be special. Now I think you got to develop a passing game around him. Uh, some things to be aware of as it relates to Tennessee State. All of their home games are going to be played in Nissan Stadium. Now Nissan Stadium is the home of the Tennessee Titans. They've only got four home games, uh, but it's important to note that those four home games are all going to be played in Nissan Stadium. Uh, that includes a homecoming game against the preseason favorite, Murray State, on October 30th. Now, look at this non-conference schedule, Drew. Tell me your thoughts on this non-conference schedule. Week one, two, and three, they play Grambling in the Black College Football Hall of Fame Classic in Canton, Ohio. And would you believe Grambling, Tennessee State, this is the first ever meeting? I find that truly hard to believe that's amazing right you 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 would think somewhere the egos of big john merritt and uh eddie robinson would have crossed somewhere in that right somewhere. somewhere somewhere in the in the 50s or the 60s but i guess possibly they crossed we know they crossed at jackson state but you would have thought they would have crossed at tennessee state also Right. And I mean, those are, I believe, two of the three schools with the most NFL for, or former NFL, uh, what is it, alumni? It might and be correct team. me if I'm wrong, uh, is it Tennessee, does the Tennessee State have the most HBCU national championships? Ooh, see, don't get me to... I believe Tennessee State is number one. And while you talk, I'm going to know. Uh, Grambling, Grambling, I believe Grambling has 17, if I'm not mistaken. I think Grambling. I, I, I know that I know they're the neck and neck. I think Grambling has number one. 
but uh, continue on with the discussion yeah, so, and I'll bring up the stats. Yeah, so that's week one. Now, week two, of course, the Southern Heritage Classic in Memphis against Jackson State. Of course, you know, that's uh, both – neither teams get to break in week one. Jackson State's playing a division a – division, the division contest on the road in Florida against Florida A&M. Then Jackson State turns around and plays TSU. TSU coming off the Grambling game in Canton, Ohio – and they play that game in Memphis. So that neither team gets a break. Funny thing, Tennessee State has a 9-3 and overall record. They lost in 2019. That was the game that was like a 44-49 to win for Jackson State. I think we had the opening kickoffs is how that game started. Two opening kickoff returns for touchdowns is how it started. And it just, I mean, doggone nearly 100 points definitely over a thousand yards in that contest. Then for Tennessee State, week three, this is a dangerous game. First home game of the year against Kentucky State. Now, why call that a dangerous game? Kentucky State is better than you think. Oh, they were better than many people thought last year, uh, or I should say 2019, uh, where, you know, had a new coach. They came in, remember, they beat, not only did they open the season with a win against an FCS team, Robert Morris, they turned around and beat Jackson State a couple of weeks later in the Circle City Classic. And so that's a Kentucky State team that it'll be interesting to see when we talk to or we hear from them this upcoming week in the SIEC what the last year has been like for Kentucky State. Because didn't Kentucky State win one of those games by not even throwing the ball like more than two or three times the entire game? Yeah, they they were not known for throwing the ball at all. I mean, it was really a run offense, and they three yards in the cloud of dust. <laughs> yeah, they just they just really were really good defensively too, and so it was a big one eighty from what they were in the in the years leading up to twenty nineteen, yeah. and so there's a lot. I'm sure there will be a lot of excitement for Kentucky State. So that'll be a very important game for Tennessee State to not overlook. And then the only other non-conference game that Tennessee State have is, is in week 12, the last game, the last, the last game of the regular season against, excuse me, at Mississippi State. They've never played Mississippi State before, and that's after the conference. I mean, the like the whole conference schedule has been played. Then all of a sudden you got a game against Mississippi State. So that's a real, I don't know how that got scheduled at the end of the season, but yeah, that's a paycheck, I guess, right? Correct. What's your expectation or what's the ceiling for Tennessee State, Drew? Is this a team that can finally contend for the OVC? Might we see Tennessee State in the FCS playoffs this year? Well, I don't know if we're going to see them in the playoffs, but number one, I think that number five in the OVC is low. Number two, according to a statistical ranking system that I've that I've seen, Tennessee State is the top rated HBCU in the going into the preseason. They really? Can, yeah, that's their preseason number one as far as far as all the HBCU. That'll be interesting conversation for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. And now the debate has to begin 
first of all, before while while I'm thinking about national championships, in in reverse order, five through one, and the these are all the national championships based upon being named by you know the multiple media outlets because we just now recently had a true national champion. Southern has eleven. First one in 1948, last one in 2003. Tuskegee has 13, the first one being in 1924 and their most recent one in 2016. Grambling has 15, the first one being in 1955 and the last one being in 2016. Florida A&M has 15 with 19, excuse me, the first one being 1938 and their last one in 2019. And Tennessee State has 16, the first one being in 1946 and their latest one being in 2013. So you've got the number one and the number two teams in national black college national champions playing each other week one. And they've never played each other. And they've never played each other. Yeah, that game is going to be on the NFL Network. uh, And I believe that was a good pickup. No, definitely. And it's the same day as the Orange Blossom Classic featuring FAMU and Jackson State. I think it's, or no, is it? Or is it the same day as the, it's either the same day it's as. It's week zero. Okay, so that so that puts it, no, 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 it's not week zero. It's week one. Week one. It's week yes, one. Yes, that's, that, that's, that's the same time as the Orange Blossom Okay. And the Labor Day Classic. Yes. So as a matter of times, it'll be interesting to see what the kickoff times are. I don't have the kickoff time offhand for either uh, available to me, but maybe we'll, we'll we'll share that a little bit later on. But I'm but it'd be definitely if you're not traveling to any of those games, you will definitely you might need a couple of TV sets to watch that game. So that should be. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm in terms of where I think Tennessee State can be, I think their ceiling is three. I think they could easily contend for third uh, in, in the OVC. I, I would like to see them at three. And you never know. This is the kind of season where if they, again, if they figure it out with the quarterback position because they just weren't very efficient from the offense, but you bring in – you know, if if uh, Hugh Jackson, who has been a pretty good offensive coach and a pretty good pretty good offensive coordinator, if, if he can develop an offense that utilizes and exploits the talents that Tennessee State has, I really think three, maybe two, is not too far from a reality. And and, and then in that case. With the fact that you're in the OVC, who knows? You might very well be able to earn an at-large bid. So if Tennessee State doesn't win the conference outright, they very well may earn uh, an at-large bid. Now, here's the question. Tennessee State plays three HBCUs. Yep. They're in a uh, traditional non-HBCU conference. Mm-hmm. Tennessee State goes gets 10 wins. We, we, we give them 10 wins on this season. Mm, wow. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. Well, I'm, I'm listening to your hypothetical. Like, wow, 10 okay. wins. Okay. Uh, uh, go ahead. 
you've got a 10-win Tennessee State team and, say, a 10-win SWAC team, a 10-win BAC team, <laughs> considering that the BAC only has six teams in, six teams in their conference, and a 10-win team out of the Big South, be it Hampton or A&T. Wow, that's a great year for HBCU. Wow. What, what, who gets the Black College National Championship? You know what? It's not going to be decided based on regular season because if I'm basing it on – Obviously, you got your celebration bowl winner. Well, but hold on. Let me let me stop you because, yeah, your celebration bowl winner will be in the play, especially if you have a 10-win SWAC and a 10-win MEAC representative. But the X factor – those teams that are in the playoffs, which assuming if Tennessee State has 10 wins, that you're telling me then they're they're, only they're, prob they're probably playoff by them. They're probably their only loss at that point, Drew, is Mississippi State because they're only playing 11 games. So that means they were undefeated going into Mississippi State, which means they were probably ranked going into that game, probably as high as top 10 in FCS. I'm just okay, going with your let's hypothetical. Even, let's even say a nine win. Oh, no, don't change your hypothetical. Yeah. Don't change your hypothetical. Okay, you said it, so I'm just giving it to you. Ten wins at that point, plus a ten win Hampton or A&T, those teams, too, will be ranked in the top ten. And I'll tell you what, based on how far they go, if those two teams make it into the Elite Eight of the playoffs, I might, I very well might, vote them ahead of coming out of the Celebration Bowl winner. I'm just saying. I very well might. You Even have though they play a – and, and we, have to just, we have to bring this up now. Even though they are an HBCU who plays a – I don't care. Majority don't, of their games against non-HBCU opponents. I, I don't care. This isn't, this isn't a championship of – this isn't a championship of teams that played HBCUs. This is a black college national championship. They, they are a team that is a black college, an HBCU. We just watched a team from Bluefield State win the Black College World Series, right? I mean, we understand the makeup versus the historical designation of that school. Two different things. Same thing here. And so I, I think it's a uh, it's a mis I, I think it'd be a shame if media start getting into that mode of segregating, you know, whether a team is deserving or not based on something that they can't control, which is they're not in an HBCU conference anymore. You know, that's that's all I'm saying. So in your case, I if four teams are going in with 10. There's going to be a split title somewhere. Now, the, the crazy part is whoever your voters are, they can't split votes. So they, they're the ones who have the tough call. Those are the ones who are going to have to sort of put their own biases on a shelf. And they're going to have to do some digging into the stats, into the home wins, road games. What's more important, road wins? What's more important, conference wins, conference road wins? You're going to have to look at all that and say, what's important? And that might be how you come away with your champion. You know, just saying. It'll be good Good talk. Good talk. Uh, good talk for shows like ours, right?
Definitely, definitely. It's going to be how would you how would you handicap that situation? It sounds like I'm gonna throw your own your own scenario, or you just you just do that at me just to see what I would say, huh? I mean, it's 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 a it's a tough sale. Uh, you on one hand, you have to with it being a black college national champion, you have to you have to lean and give bonus points to the team that defeats. Other black colleges. Why? We, why? Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait, you, that, you 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 asked my opinion. In, you wouldn't factor in the team that played the tougher opponent. What? I I had got to that point yet. Okay. But if any of those teams make a a serious playoff run, you have to you have to get at least to the second round. Any of those teams has to at least get to the second round. Those those nine uh, HBCU division teams, which we have three of them, has to at least get to the second round for me to consider putting them in the running and moving them ahead of a celebration bowl winner. You have to get a you have to get at least one playoff win. You can't just show up to the playoffs. No, I agree with you. I agree with right. you. I, you have yeah. to at least get one playoff win, and then I can consider putting you well, ahead of the celebration bowl winner. That's your postseason, just the same way as. The team that wins the Celebration Bowl is the team who gets credit for winning what the postseason game. Correct. You have to get you have to get that win first. Yeah. So that that is that is why I say whoever comes out of Celebration Bowl automatically gets the look ahead. But then, you know what what I I what I like but about actually the Celebration Bowl winner will get the last chance to impress. That's true. That's true because the playoffs would have already started. And there might be a team unless they're in the championship game or still playing because that'll be because that weekend might very well be a uh a a that's usually a semifinal semifinal game, yeah. Yes, yeah. So that'll be a that that now there's your debate around celebration bowl weekend. If that happens and say you had two teams who won a game or two in the playoffs, and then you have a celebration bowl. Yeah, I want to see how how the spin is going to be that weekend. That that's where your real interest will come right there. Yeah. yeah. All right, Drew. Let's take a break because when we come back, we got a lot to talk about as it relates to the SWAC, and then talking about the CIAA. So let's take a quick timeout. You're watching the BCSM Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back right after these words. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. 
HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. It's like a loot machine. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here, and we want to transition into talking about the SWAC who had their media day. So we're going to get into talking a little bit about the SWAC, and and then we'll also get into talking about the CIAA as well. Uh, Obviously, plenty of news and notes that we can go through. Let's start, Drew. With the and obviously with the fact I was there, you weren't there. Let's maybe for me. Why don't you bullet point before we get into talking about the various topics and things that came out of it? Why don't you maybe bullet point some of the things as you watched uh, our our coverage and and what you heard? What were some of the things that stood out about SWAC Media Day for you from your angle? First of all. The first interview uh, Dr. Cavill had with uh, Commissioner Charles McClellan, you know, that was. I was there too too now. Come on now. Yes, yes, you were there. Uh, Damn. uh, You you and. uh, I'm messing with you. You you made me lose my train of thought. (laughs) The reason reason I brought up. Go ahead. uh, Dr. Dr. Cavill. Yeah. Was because you could tell they, they, they were colleagues and they are more than just professionals by the way that interview was and you were really the outsider on the interview you were trying to you was trying to stay professional but it but it, but even you realize it's best if I get out the way of this interview and let you, them two talk to each other yeah I, I wonder how they came across because they were like two kids who like had been in high school or elementary and had talked about like in the back seat of somebody's car on a long road trip they talked about this dream and they, you could tell the I could see the, the 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 that look of man I can't believe we made it I can't believe we're here and there was you, you remember that crazy idea we had blah 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 yes, blah, blah. You, yes. you, you you know it, it, Brian and and I I'll equate this I, I brought that up in the I don't know if you caught that I brought that up yeah and I asked them I kind of where did that happen I think one of them said it happened sort of in a on a plane. At, and, and and then when they brought up something happening at some party, some discussion they had yes, at some party, yes, also yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean that that was so that was such a genuine. I'm glad you brought that up because that was a very cool moment, and I, I think being there, I could sense that. Uh, and I, I'm glad you picked. I'm glad it came through on the television end. Yeah, and, and, and you know something, I'm gonna tell you what it reminds me of. It's when it's, it kind of reminds me when you and Roy get together and talk about the origin of Jericho <laughs> and the BCSN. Yes. Because yeah. you, you two were there at, at the beginning. You, yes. know, y'all, you know, your concept and how y'all went through and scheming this and planning that and, you know, and, and how it's come together. It, it, 
if if you look at it, and I'm on the outside looking at both of these conversations, it's the same thing I see when you and you and our CEO Roy get together. I, I get you. I got. That's why. That's why I said I I'm, I I sense that from them as they started going down that road, and that's why I kind of asked Dr. McClellan the question I did. I was like, where did that where did that crazy idea that this one day was going to be a reality? Where did that where was that conversation at? You yeah. know, so it was kind of cool that that's you know, and I'll tell you that's the one thing about we these moments when you get interviews and you're able to really able to see someone like Dr. McClellan. And, and he even, you know, he really I thought had a great time walking around interact. I know he came around one other time when uh Connell Maynard was doing his press conference or you no know, his interview with uh with Doc and the stat and the crew. And you know he just kind of butted in and said something like don't believe anything this guy says or something. I mean Dr. McClellan really looked like he was having a great time walking around just soaking up that you know just everything that the media was really enjoying talking to the coaches and the players. I mean, I, I mean, I, I really felt like uh, it was a, it was a proud moment. Like, you know, from, from where I was at, it was one of those. Yeah. I put this thing together. I, 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 I it has finally come together that, 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 that monkey is off of my back. You know, I'm very confident in what I've done and this is going to go right, but I'm not cocky with it. And that was kind of where he, he's very confident, but he's not braggadocious. I just think yeah, I, it's, I, it's a good, it's, he, he, he's a matter of fact, he speaks about the facts. His record is what his record is. And thus far, his record has been good. Yeah. And he could. He, he could be a lot bolder and brash like a lot of people that we know but he but that that's not his stilo it, it seems like but he 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 does know how to absorb it deflect it deflects it to other people when necessary because it's it's never i i i no. it's we it's us it's Doctor so and so, Miss so and so over here, and you know he, 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 but he knows how, but he knows how to play the media. Well, give him that. Good leaders know that it's not them; it's the group of people around him that make the thing happen. You know, and that and that goes from whether it's you planning a party versus it to such a major event like this. I mean. You, if you've ever planned a successful party or an event, I bet you didn't do everything by yourself. No, no. You Usually, put you had people in place and had put them in a position so that they can handle what they handle. Exactly, yeah. and, and you get the right people, and you trust them to do their job. You let them know what you want, what the expectation is, and you find people who can who can who can make that happen. If you're and good so, at coordinating transportation, I am not fit to have you in the hall putting up decorations. Yeah, exactly. No matter how bad you want to, you yeah. know, because the real leader wants to do it. But having a good staff is somebody coming by and say, hey, man, I'll take care of that. You got I'm sure you got something better you need to be doing. Go do that. I'll handle this. That's okay. when you know you have a good staff. You exactly. know what I'm saying? And and so he does. He had. And so, like, that's what that look was. It's like if you if you had a party in a big event, 
you just walk around and see how everybody else is enjoying it. I mean, because that's that that's the satisfaction you get of seeing other people enjoy your party. More it's champagne. Not that you, more champagne. Yeah, it's not that you and that it's not that it's the party. <laughs> yeah, it's not that the party that is going off. It's just that you you enjoy seeing other people enjoying themselves, and so seeing all of the the teams reaping the benefits of the hard work that has been that they all put you know everybody all working together makes happen so that that was cool cool what else what else did you see but uh moving on obviously uh the interview of the day with uh coach prime and i don't know where in the timeline our interview with coach prime was compared to the infamous interview with coach prime because if our interview occurred after that incident, well, I guys did even a, even a better job than I thought when they did the interview, considering a, a man's coming out of this, in his opinion, a screwed up interview that he didn't want to be in. And then you come over to our guys. But that also goes to show that the relationship that we have with some, some of our universities and the relationship that Neely and Charles has with the brass at Jackson State University because they have access to things that are able to get more things, get certain things from Jackson State that even you and I, even though we're part of the same network, we can't get. We can't get certain access to them. So they did a great job setting up their, setting up their stuff and conducting a, a real interview. This wasn't just a – this wasn't all – this wasn't coach speak. They knew which questions to ask. They do with questions not to ask. If you heard what Dion said in that, Coach Coach Dion, Coach Prime, if you heard what he said in there in that interview. Don't call him Coach D. Don't call him Dion. That's I said, Coach 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 Prime, Coach okay. Dion Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> they they have such an inside with him that he even said, "I'm gonna have people come to you because you all know it, 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 that's how inside they are." They yeah. they built up such a good relationship with him. I think Neely even told me uh, this was like the night before, or maybe the day before, or just somewhere off to the side. Coach Coach will call him at all kinds of times with ideas. Hey, I want to do this. Let's do this. You know, and so it they really come through in building that relationship with him. And it, it's going to spread out into the other programs because, one, they really love Jackson State. And they really love the – and I think having the accessibility to him makes it accessible for other programs to want to come on because they know it's – you know, if outside entities want to want get in, want to get info about Jackson State football, they're going to have to go to Neely and Bishop, the pregame show, right. because those guys are going to know. You know, so that was one thing that I thought was really telling about the relationship they've been able to form. Now, right. let me go back to what you earlier asked about where Coach Prime was in the timeline of that whole incident. And this didn't come out until later that evening. Um, and I mentioned it in the in the article or the column that I wrote. When that virtual press conference happened and when the reporter from the Clarion Legend did what he did, Dion walked and did what he did. Now, two things. One, that 
presser was probably about six or seven minutes in from what I was told. So really there was only a 10 minute window. So it was getting towards the end of that presser. But when he left, you know, you saw that reports were Dion left the media day, right? That wasn't true at all because where he went was into the next room where radio interviews were. And he sat down with Charles Edmond uh, of uh, 91.7 FM, Lorman, Mississippi, Alcorn State Radio. That's where he went next. And the only reason he went there next is because Charles's next scheduled interview was supposed to be Broderick Fobbs, but Fobbs ended up having a phone call that took him away. And so there was an open spot. Coach Sanders went and sat down. So if you go and listen, and I think I put a link, if you listen, Coach Sanders mentions that when he first talked to Edmund and said, you know, hey, thank you for calling me Coach Coach Sanders. I just came out of a situation. No one wanted to call. He didn't know. Charles didn't know what was going on. He, all he knew was he's talking to Coach Sanders. I'm talking to Coach Sanders. So then from there, Coach Sanders went from there. That's when he came over and did live TV with the pregame show. So that was – it was kind of nice to be able to put to record what truly happened in that, no, Deion Sanders did not walk out after the presser, after the virtual press conference. He, A, he went over to talk to Charles Edmond, and then, B, did a live television. Now, obviously, if you don't care about all that, okay. But the truth is what the truth is. So uh, so he walked away from Main Street Media. He walked out on Main Street Media, but still kept his obligations to – HBCU media is what it sounded like. If you want to, if you want to say it that way, sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who was on the, I don't know who was on the virtual press conference, uh, but you know, yeah, he was talking to quote unquote main street mainstream reporter from the Clarion Legend and, uh, Ledger. And I think I don't think it came out clearly that he walked away from a virtual interview. Yes, if he walks away from a virtual interview, it does appear like he walked out of media day when in actuality he just left that station and went to another station. And see, if nobody knew what the setup was, and again, the setup is they had the main room with the stage for ESPN3, then they had two separate rooms for radio, live radio or recorded radio. And then they also had um, a television room for taped and live interviews. And that's where we were, along with HBCU Game Day, uh, some other people, uh, television stations who were doing their one-offs. And also, that is where the virtual media setup was, which is where Dion was when that incident occurred. All right. So, so. moving on. Uh, we beat that horse to death. Uh, moving on, a couple of other highlights I liked. Uh, I liked the interview you did with uh, uh, Donahue Ely of uh, Alabama State. Of course, of course, Connell Maynard is Connell Maynard. You know, you knew, you knew you. Surprised we did not get any bulletin board material from him, though. He gave a good, he gave a good interview, but no bulletin board material this time, in my opinion. 
He didn't give any bulletin board material, but here's one thing that I think people are sleeping on, and I, and I can't remember where I heard this, so I, I, I don't want to take credit for this, but if you pay attention to, he even recognized the one area improvement for his team this year is the defensive side of the ball, right? We all know that. Correct. The person who is now his new defensive coordinator, Keenus Bullware, the same DC he had with him at Winston Salem State, they did when they did damage there. So it should be noted, and take and, and they got some good guys. Uh, they uh, you know per, well, at least we think they're going to be good. He got some guys from the transfer portal on the defensive side of the ball to come to A and M. If the defense can be half as good or half as improved as what they were. And they weren't too shabby in the in the spring, but there's always room for improvement. Even if half the improvement from a 2019 will speak volumes for this team, it'll give the offense that much more room they need um, to be able to average 32, 35 points a game if they get back up to where they were in 2019. I'll so that thing about Alabama A&M. Uh, and I'm surprised no one really brought it out. Their offensive line was not the best uh, that I've seen at Alabama A&M and could have done a little bit of a better job as far as keeping the quail glass upright. They get just that much more improvement in the offensive line because he, he was sacked about uh, three, time, three times a game. If I remember the stats off the top of my head, I'm just going off the top of my head. If you could cut that down and cut down the pressure on him and give him even more time, oh, my God, what can he do? Um, think about this little stat from out of the spring as it relates to Quill Glass. Uh, in 2019, his touchdown to interception ratio was about 3 to 1. You know, uh, 33, and a, 33 or 32 to 11, I think is what it was. That's almost about three to one. He threw, though, for about 60 plus 60 percent percentage, completion percentage, right? Correct. Now, in the spring, he made a big improvement in the touchdown to INT ratio. It was four to one. But the completion percentages, though, went down to about 57 percent. So I don't know what you value. And, and you know, do you value do you do you value a better touchdown to INT ratio versus the completion percentage, or do you take the completion percentage in the sixties but have the lower touchdown to INT ratio? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what he does. And he being a quill glass, what he does this upcoming fall, because that's a big point of emphasis. I think that I saw from the fall to the spring season. Definitely, definitely. And like I say, you know, the whole thing, it was, you know, eventful. And I probably my favorite part of the day were the last two segments. The first one with uh, uh, Jay Walker coming in. Oh, talking with uh, talking with the pregame show, right? Yes, with the pregame show. And then the one that you did at, at the end with uh, – with all the different members of the media. Yeah, we did we did two different media media roundups 
and Tiffany Green. Tiffany Green is just. I can't speak to how cool that was. Because, like, we had just did a, they just did kind of a one-on-one with Jay. But I kind of knew where we were with our time. And I didn't want to keep, I like, I, I wanted Keisha Kelly in there. And I, I wanted some other people. And I didn't yeah, want to. Yeah, Bo Carter in there with you. Yeah, I didn't want to keep people longer. Because we were already at the point where they were starting to break down in the main room. I mean, they were, they were breaking down. Well, a lot of people had left. So yeah. Tiffany was like one of the last people there. So she came over and I, and it was great to do that. And she was so cool. The fact that we had Neely, uh, Keisha and Jamie, that was so cool to have that moment to be able to just kind of bounce off ideas and the love and respect for the different levels of journalism and broadcast journalism and just all of us in this space of doing what we do, that was so awesome to me. That was the moment right there when I was like, yo, I'm hoping people really appreciate this. And then to kind of come in there later when I had Charles, Luke, Will, Luke, uh, Luke Williams, Mo Carter, those are veterans. I mean, those guys, like, I mean, especially when we got Luke and Charles there, I mean, that Charles is, those guys have been doing it since the eighties, bro. I mean, they, we were in high school when they were putting out we weren't in high school. Well, we were we were we were <laughs> we were going into high school when they were when they were getting into and do I mean like I said the black color sports paid 25 years plus Charles has been at Alcorn since uh the mid 80s. I mean you know Moe's look Mo was playing football in the late 90s at Southern so I mean I, I was man I was humbled and so felt it felt really good to, and, to be able to and, do. and my brother, you 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 do what you do best. You did a good job conducting the ship and leading those interviews, in my opinion. I appreciate that. It. That is, it, it, you are the voice of the Black College Sports Network for a reason, and you showed it during those interviews. Well, I mean, look, that, that that's fun, man. I, and I, I think uh, I still haven't been able to get all of those interviews chopped up and put on social media. The fun part was we got to the end and we were talking bold predictions. So I don't know if you caught that segment. Um, you know, it was kind of fun hearing bold predictions. And I, what did you, what'd you make of my bold prediction? I don't know. Did you catch my bold predictions on the classic? I, I caught it, but you got to refresh my memory because it's been what a little bit over a week since we, since we've seen it. So like my bold predictions for the conference, and it had to do with the Magic City Classic. It was the Magic City Classic, the Florida Classic, Bayou Classic and the Bayou Classic, Classic or something. Right? Been dominated recently or even won most recently by A&M, Southern, or no, A&M, Southern, and Bethune, right? Correct. I have a complete switch on all three. Yeah. I got Alabama State winning. I've got Grambling winning. And I got Florida A&M winning this year. All three. And, and because of that, it has an impact on the actual outcome of the SWAC East because I think Alabama State beating AM takes Alabama AM's chance of winning away. And FAMU winning gives FAMU that opportunity to go to the Celebration Bowl. And Grambling has a season that many people, I think, if we looked at predictions, I had Grambling ranked higher than most people, I had them ranked second because of winning that game against Southern at the end of the year. 
Right. So, well, well uh, since we talk about predictions, do you want me to give mine? Do you want to wait till after this break? Uh, oh, so we want to take a break. Uh, yeah, let's okay. Let's take a break and kind of come back. Let's go back because I know there's a few other interesting notes to come out of SWAC Media Day. We can get into the predictions and things like that. So let's take a let's take a short break. Come back with a little bit more. You're watching a BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back right after these words. It's like a loot machine. 